Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. This is Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist in North Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to the following message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, go to northwoodbaptist.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. I hope the following message blesses you and helps you connect faith to life. invite you to take uh, your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians is in the New Testament, kind of halfway through the New Testament. You'll find the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So right there in the middle of your New Testament, you'll find this wonderful letter written by the Apostle Paul. We started studying it together uh, last Sunday morning, and we're continuing our study of this wonderful, joy-filled letter uh, this morning. And I, and I think what God is going to say to us through this letter this morning is really going to encourage us in our faith and encourage us to continue to choose joy even in these challenging days. So Philippians 1 is where we'll spend our time together this morning. Philippians 1 verses 12 through 18. So turn there in your Bibles or if you're using it on your device, uh, find it on your device, however you're using uh, your, your Bible this morning, just go ahead and find Philippians chapter 1 with us. And, and while you're finding Philippians 1, I want you to think about this question I'll ask you. And, and if you are watching us via Facebook or YouTube, I want you to answer the question in the comments because I'm curious as to what your answer might be. Because these last month, this last month or so has, has been odd. Uh, maybe you, like me, you've gone out to eat a couple times, but you haven't gone in any restaurants. You've just been able to do curbside or drive through or whatever the case may be. And if you're like me, you've gone to Chick-fil-A a couple of times or you've gone whatever your favorite takeout restaurant might be. So, so here's the question. What restaurant are you most looking forward to? to returning to and actually sitting down inside of and eating your meal inside that particular restaurant. What is it? What is that restaurant you're looking forward to actually going back into and sitting down and eating a meal inside that restaurant? I mean, you think about it. Here we are in in Charleston. There are tons of great restaurants, right? Great restaurants with great food and not only great food, but, but think about it, great views, right? And so I don't know what your favorite Charleston restaurant is that you're longing to to go and, and sit down in and have a meal in, but, but whatever it is, go ahead and write it in the comments right now. I can tell you what mine is. I'm looking forward. Our, our, one of our, our favorite restaurants here locally is the, the Marina Variety Store and Restaurant right downtown Charleston on the Charleston Harbor. It, it's it's a, got beautiful views of the harbor and, and great seafood, and I'm looking forward to going back to that restaurant and, and just walking in and sitting down and, and looking over the water and enjoying some fried shrimp. I mean, I, I just can't wait, right? So, so here's where we are, right? Here we are in the midst of this pandemic, and if you're like me, you're thinking about things like that. You're thinking about what it's going to be like on the other side. You're thinking about the restaurant you want to go to and sit down and eat a meal in. You're thinking about, if you're my wife, you're thinking about the Tanger Outlet reopening, right? And, and going shopping again. I mean, if, if anything good has come out of this, it has been that we haven't been able to go to the outlet mall for a few weeks, right? But, but, but for some of us, that's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to the outlet mall opening back up and, and what it's going to be like to go and, and, and shop freely again or, or whatever. We're thinking about the other side of this, and, and rightly so. I mean, I know for me as a pastor and for us as a church staff, we're thinking about 
the other side of this. When we get to the other side, man, we're, we're just going to pick up where we left off, and it's going to be great, and, and it's going to be so much fun and exciting to be back together again. We're thinking about the other side. And, and if you're like me, here's what you're thinking about the other side. When we get to the other side, there is going to be joy, right? The other side, that's where it's at. That, that's, that's over the rainbow, the pot of gold. We're going to get there. When we get to the other side of this, there's going to be so much joy and excitement, happiness, because we're finally through it. And I believe it. I believe that on the other side of this pandemic, there is going to be a lot of joy. As we reunite together, as we get back to normal and do the things that, that we enjoy doing, there's going to be a lot of joy. But listen, what I want you to know is that while there's joy on the other side of this, there's also joy right now in the midst of this. I hope you understand that. And I hope you, that you believe that, that, that there is joy no matter where we find ourselves in life. Whether we're in a season of, of plenty and good or whether we're in a season of hardship like we find ourselves right now, there's always joy. Joy is always available for children of God. And, and my concern is that, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we can get so focused on the other side of our problem, right? We can get so focused on the other side of the pandemic. We can get so focused on the other side of the COVID crisis that we miss what God is trying to do in our lives right now. And we miss the joy that he wants us to experience right now. Listen, what's so interesting about this pandemic is that every single one of us, we're all in it together. In our lifetimes, we can't think of anything quite like this. Where we were all experiencing the same hardship together. So, so here's the question I want us to answer from Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18 this morning. How do we? How do we choose joy in our hardships? How do we choose to walk in joy when we want to be on the other side of this? How do we choose to walk in joy when all we can think about is, is getting back to normal? How do we choose joy in our hardships? Whether it's a pandemic like this or Maybe it's another hardship for you. Maybe it's marital struggles, financial struggles, career struggles, parenting struggles. In the midst of your hardships, how do you choose joy? I think Paul shows us that in the verses we're going to look at this morning. So, so I want to show you three ways that, that Paul chose joy and, and three ways that, that I think we can choose joy as well this morning in the midst of our hardships. Take your Bibles, Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18, and listen to what the Word of God says. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the Word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's pray together. God, you are good. And we, we thank you, Father, for time together this morning. And again, I pray. I pray for every person who's watching us via our live stream. I pray for every person who is here on campus this morning. I pray, Father, for each person that today they would know the joy that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and this morning, your Spirit, your Holy Spirit would help us to choose joy in the midst of our hardships. So, Father, we're trusting now that as we open your word together, we're trusting that you're going to speak to us. Help us to listen carefully to your voice and help us to respond to your voice this morning in faith, in obedience, and in surrender. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you last week, if you had an opportunity to, to view the message from last week, I, I told you that, that Paul is really, in some ways, writing a thank you letter to the church at Philippi. This, this church at Philippi, they had supported him, they encouraged him, they were partners in ministry with Paul. And Paul's so thankful for this relationship that he has with this church at Philippi. And, and when Paul writes this letter, you know where he's at. He's under house arrest under house arrest in Rome, can't leave his home. He's dependent upon other people to come and, and help him and, and minister him. I mean, it's not where he thought he would end up, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but several years, several years before Paul found himself in prison, under house arrest in Rome, he was in a huge city called Corinth. And in Corinth, you know what he did? He planted a church, a church that was thriving. And in Corinth, he wrote a letter. In Corinth, he wrote a letter to a church in a city that he longed to go to and visit. He wrote a letter to a church in Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. Paul did not plant the church in Rome. It was planted by some other believers. But he wanted to go there. He wanted to go to Rome and, and meet face-to-face -face those believers in Rome. He wanted to minister to them in Rome. And, and I can imagine that what was on Paul's mind when he wrote that letter to the church at Rome from Corinth. He imagined walking the streets of Rome, the most influential city in the world, walking the streets in Rome, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He imagined being in the marketplaces, or maybe he even imagined being in the courtyards of the various temples of the false gods that they worshipped in Rome. He imagined in freedom, walking around Rome and sharing the good news of Jesus. He longed to be in Rome. He longed to meet the believers in Rome. And he longed for Rome, the church at Rome, to help him to go even farther west and to take the gospel to places like Spain. That's what he longed for. That's what he wanted. And now when we read this letter... He's there. Paul is in Rome, the city that he longed to be in, but he's not there in the way that he anticipated because he's not walking around freely. He's not walking the streets. He's not in the marketplaces. He's not in the courtyards of the temples. He's in a home, a rented home, imprisoned. But look at what he says. In a million years, this is not where Paul thought he would end up. But for the last few years, this is what he's been in prison. First it was in Caesarea, now in Rome. And look what he says. He says, brothers, sisters, I want you to know, verse 12, that 
what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You're not going to believe this. I would have never thought this. But my imprisonment, I mean, you're not going to believe how God has used it. See, what happened was this. While Paul was under house arrest in Rome, he was under the watch of the imperial guards. I don't know if you know much about the imperial guards and who they were, but, but these were Caesar's elitist soldiers. These were Caesar's personal soldiers, his bodyguards, if you will. And there were about 9,000 imperial guards. And, and if you were a Roman soldier, this was the job you longed for. You longed for the day that you might get promoted to be an imperial guard. These soldiers, they were the best of the best. They were trained killers. They, they were the soldier that you longed to be. And, and if you made it, if you had the opportunity to be an imperial guard, you were set. I mean, retirement benefits, a great salary. I mean, as far as being a soldier in the Roman army, there was no more lucrative position than being an imperial guard. And while Paul was under house arrest in Rome, it was the imperial guards that were assigned to watch over him. The most elite soldiers were assigned to watch over Paul. Now, we don't know all the details, but we know that that 24 hours a day, Paul was chained to one of these imperial guards. And I don't know how it worked. Maybe they, they did shift work, right? So, so, so maybe every six hours, a new guard came to his home and was chained to him. And so maybe over the course of a 24-hour day, he had four different guards chained to him. Or maybe they worked eight-hour shifts. I have no idea. But all day long, he was chained to one of these guards. I mean, can you think about that? Uh, there, there's nothing joy-filled about that, is there? I mean, he can't go to the bathroom in privacy. He, can, he can't do anything in privacy. Because every second of every day, he's chained to one of these guards. But think about it. Think about what these guards begin to see. As, as different people, and probably people from the church at Rome, as they come to visit Paul and, and bring him food or, or bring him some, some, some clothes or bring him whatever he needs, they see it. They see Paul interacting with his guest. And they see the joy that Paul chooses and how he ministers to the people that come to care for him and how the people who come to care for him minister to Paul. They see it. They see Paul as he's writing, as he's writing this particular letter to the church at Philippi. And, he, and maybe they, they look over his shoulder and they, they read these words that Paul's writing and the joy that, that's in these words. They see Paul write Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians, letters in the New Testament that are so full of gospel truth. And then not only they see it, they hear it. I mean, I, I hope when we get to heaven, right, that, that we can go to God's media room and, and watch this back on the DVR. Because can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversations? I mean, here they are, the most elite guards in all of Rome. And Paul has every reason to be intimidated by them. I mean, they could look at Paul, and, and with their look, they could kill Paul. But Paul's not intimidated. No, 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 no. You're not going to believe this. My chains, 
my hardships have turned out to advance the gospel. Imagine the conversations. A guard comes in. He chains himself to Paul. And he asks the obvious question. Hey, Paul, what are you in here for? Why are you under arrest? Oh, let me tell you why I'm under arrest. And Paul shares a story how Christ changed him on the road to Damascus. Paul shares a story of how, how he was arrested in Jerusalem and how he was in Caesarea and now in, in Rome. And, and, and he tells about how God was at work through all of it. And, and we don't know, Paul doesn't tell us, we don't know the number of, of Roman soldiers that became believers as a result of Paul witnessing to them. But, but look at what Paul does say, right? He says in verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole, the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. We don't know. We don't know. But you can imagine. 9,000 imperial guards. I don't know if all 9,000 of them heard the gospel or not, but a lot of them did. A lot of them heard the gospel straight from Paul's mouth. And as, as some of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ, they went out and told the other imperial guards, hey, you're not going to believe what happened to me while I was uh, chained to the apostle Paul, right? I mean, if you think about it, no pun intended, but Paul had a captive audience every single day. Do you see it? Paul could have chosen to be intimidated. He could have chosen to be fearful. He could have chosen to say, woe is me, my life is terrible. And let's be honest, his life was terrible. He was in prison, but he chose joy. And in that joy, now watch this, he chose not to waste his hardship. He chose not to waste his hardship. And, 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 and listen, this is so critical for you. It's so critical for me. If we're going to walk in joy through our hardships, then we've got to make a conscious decision in our hardships to not waste our hardships. And, and let's be honest, it's very easy to waste our hardships. It's very easy to complain and bicker and moan and groan and think about the other side and when are we going to finally get there? It's so easy, right, to waste it, to ignore the reality that right now God is at work in your life. Right now God is doing something. Right now God is giving you opportunity. You may not even realize it, but it's there. God wastes nothing, and he's certainly not wasting this hardship that we're all going through. The question is, are we going to waste it, Right? You, you know that, that Stacy and I, we've been, we've been unpacking our house, right? We just moved a, a few weeks ago, and so we've been in that process of unpacking. I don't know if I, if I could guesstimate. We're probably, I don't know, maybe 60% there, maybe a little less. we still got a long way to go, but we're making progress. And it just amazes me the things that we hold on to, right? Like we find a box, and I didn't know I had that still or whatever. And I've, I brought a couple things, and I've done this before, but I brought a couple things that I want you to see that I've found over the course of the last couple of weeks. Hold on, I'll be right back. I know you can't see me, but hold on. So, so I found this. Now watch this. Look at this. This is great. This is my Boston Celtic starter jacket. I was a huge Larry Bird fan growing up, and so, so, so my parents, when I was a kid, they bought me this starter. In fact, they, they, I think they bought me this starter jacket when I was in middle school. So probably, you know, 7th, 8th grade, uh, they bought me this Boston Celtics starter jacket because I was such a huge Larry Bird fan. Now, 
It's pretty cool that I still have it. What's not so cool is I can still wear it, right? I mean, obviously, I have not grown any since seventh grade. I'm the same size I was. I stopped growing. Not good. But, but anyway, I've got this starter jacket, Boston Celtics, from like seventh grade. It's pretty cool, right? I don't know why I've held on to it, but I still have it. If you want to try it on later, you can try it on later yourself. So, so And also, I found this. We were going through some boxes and, and um, found a book. Found a book that, that somebody gave me when I was pastoring a church in Louisiana. When I lived in Louisiana, I was in my mid-20s, probably 26, 27 years old, and, and somebody gave me this book because they were concerned about me, very concerned about me. They, and the, the title of the book is this, How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. I know you're going to have a hard time believing this because you're looking through your screen right now and you see this golden blonde hair, right? You see this beautiful face and, and you're asking the question, how did I have a hard time getting a date? I have no idea. I ask that myself every day, how I struggled, but apparently I did, right? When I was in my mid to late 20s, I, I struggled getting a date and, and, and people were concerned about me, right? And, and so they bought me a book, How to Get a Date Worth Keeping, right? And then Stacy found it, and Stacy began to realize that I, I had some problems. I had a hard time getting a date when I was in my mid-20s. And why she chose to date me and eventually marry me, I still don't know, but, but she did, and I'm very thankful for that. But, but I do remember back to that season, how to get a date worth keeping. When I was in my mid-20s, it was a different season, right? I was single. Had been single for, for a number of years, and, and I can remember some of the challenges that came along with that. The loneliness. And the questioning, right? Am I ever going to find a date worth keeping? Am I ever going to find that one that God has designed for me? And then also the challenge of Hurricane Katrina right in the middle of that. Things are blowing down. It's okay. Don't worry. We got it under control, I hope. Uh, but, but I remember the challenge of that particular season. But what I also remember in that season is while there were challenges, loneliness, Hurricane Katrina, and some of the other things I went through, there were so many opportunities. Opportunities that, that honestly aren't quite the same as the opportunities I have now. All that to say, now watch this. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. That every season of life presents opportunities. Every season of life presents opportunities for the sake of the gospel. Every season of life also presents its challenges. But listen, in the midst of those challenges, you can choose, right, to moan and complain and wonder, God, are you ever going to come through for me? Or you can choose joy, and you can cho choose to make the most of the hardships that God has given you. So I want to encourage you, right, right now, in the midst of your hardship, just a few things. One, listen carefully. Listen carefully to what God's saying to you. Because I bet you, I know it, right now, God's teaching you something. Are you listening to his voice? And right now, not only is God teaching you something, there are others around you who are talking. Talking about what they're struggling with. Talking about what they're going through. Talking about their hardships. Are you listening to the voices of those around you? Because as you listen to the voices of those around you, you're going to find some open doors to have some conversations, to point people to the one who gives hope in days like this. Listen carefully. Pray often, right? Pray often. Pray for yourself that you be sensitive to what God is doing right now in the midst of this pandemic. Pray right now that God would draw you to himself in this time of crisis. Pray right now for, for people around you 
who need a word of hope, that God would use you to speak that word of hope. Listen carefully. Pray often. Speak, but speak carefully. Here's what I don't want you to do in this time of crisis. I don't want you to have the wrong conversations. Right? And let's just be honest. Right now, with everything that's going on in our world, there's all kinds of conversations we can have. Everybody has an opinion about everything. And it's not wrong to share your opinion. It's not wrong to let people know where you stand. But listen, speak carefully. Because I want your conversations to matter. I want your conversations to point people to truth. Speak carefully and speak confidently. I mean, that's what we see here in Philippians, right? Paul spoke carefully. I just don't think that when Paul was chained to a Roman soldier that he was talking politics. He was talking the gospel, right? He was speaking confidently about the hope that was within him. You see? All that to say, here's how you walk in joy. Don't waste your hardships. See your hardships as divine opportunities for God to work through you for the sake of the gospel. But, but also, look at this. Not only do you choose joy by not wasting your hardships, you choose joy by not underestimating your influence. Think about this. What an opportunity you have right now. What an opportunity I have right now to be an influence in the lives of others. Look, at this is so great. Look at what the passage says. You come back to Philippians chapter 1, and, and you look at what it says in verse 14. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Most of the brothers. Paul's thinking about who? He's thinking about those believers in Rome that are coming to him right? They're coming to minister to him, to care for him. And when they come to minister to him, Paul's sharing. They see Paul sharing the gospel with the Roman soldiers. They see Paul giving his testimony to the Roman soldiers. They see how Paul, in his chains, is being bold for the sake of the gospel. And then you know what's going on? These Roman believers who are coming to see Paul in house arrest, who are witnessing how Paul is sharing the gospel with Roman soldiers, all of a sudden, they're confident. If Paul can do this in prison, then I can do this in my neighborhood. If Paul can do this in prison, I can do this at my workplace. You think about it. For a, a, a first century believer, Rome was the most dangerous city in the world. Because in Rome, in Rome, they worshipped the emperor. Allegiance was to Caesar. In Rome, Christians were heavily persecuted. But Paul says in spite of that, listen, because of my chains and how I've shared the gospel in my chains, most of the brothers, they had this renewed sense of confidence in the gospel. And they're sharing Jesus without fear. Oh, my friend, listen. Don't underestimate your influence during this time period. But, because watch this. How you live for Jesus during this time will speak volumes about what you believe about Jesus. How you live for Jesus during this time will speak volumes about your faith. And let me just ask you a question. During this crisis, what has your life communicated about your faith in Jesus Christ. During this crisis, 
Has your life communicated that you trust God? That you know He's in control? Has your life communicated that your hope is in Him? Times of hardship and difficulty, they show, don't they? They show what we're made of. They show where our faith really lies. They show what we value and what we care about. Your time of hardship and how you live for Jesus in it is going to speak volumes about your faith. But but also think about this. How you live for Jesus in your time of hardships will fuel confidence in the lives of others. Right? Because let's just be honest. When people see you, when people see me living for Jesus, man, it motivates them right? You know this. I mean, it's good for you to, 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 to tune in this morning and listen to me proclaim the Word of God. That's important, and it's powerful. But you know what's also powerful? Seeing faith in Christ lived out. And you know this. I, I bet, right? I bet you've seen some people. You've seen some people who've walked through trials and struggles with tremendous faith, who saw their trials and struggles as an opportunity, who kept on sharing Jesus in the midst of their trials and struggles, who kept their eyes on Jesus in the midst of trials and struggles, and you know what it did to you. It influenced you. It empowered you. It caused you to be a little more bold in your faith. My friend, I just tell you this because I need you. I need you not to underestimate the influence that we can have as a faith family during this time. And think about the joy in that. The joy of knowing that God is using us not only to reach people far from Jesus, but also just to be an encouragement to each other. The joy in knowing that right now we can influence each other by the way we live for Jesus, by the way we talk about Jesus, by the way we keep our eyes on Him in the midst of this. Don't underestimate the influence that you can have right now. And there's so much joy in simply being an influence for Jesus right now, right? But let me give you one final way that we can choose joy in our hardships from this passage. And it's real simple. Choose not to live for your glory. Choose not to live for your glory. Look at what the Bible says. So, so Paul talks about, right, how the imperial guard, they've heard the gospel and how it's fueled confidence in the lives of those Roman believers who've come and, and ministered to Paul. But look at what, what else he says. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Now think about it. Paul's not the only preacher in town. There are other people who believe in Jesus during this time who, like Paul, are trying to get the message out, trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem is not everyone was doing it from a pure heart with the right motives. In fact, look at what Paul says. The former proclaim out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me. Do you hear it? There were some preachers in this day that wanted to see Paul suffer, that wanted to see Paul experience hardships. And now that Paul's in jail, in prison, It's their time to shine, right? And so they're out preaching their message and saying things, I don't know, maybe like this. You heard about Paul? Prison. Can you imagine what he must have done to be under house arrest? Trying to afflict Paul, trying to kick him while he's down, you see? 
But look at what Paul goes on to say. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yeah, there were people out there who wanted to see Paul hurting. There were people out there who wanted to kick Paul while he was down. But Paul knew something. Even though they had the wrong motives, they were still talking about Jesus. And even though they had the wrong motives, apparently they were still proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul says, you know what? The gospel's getting out there. Yeah, some people are preaching it with wrong motives. Some people are kicking me while I'm down. But the gospel's getting out there. People are coming to faith in Jesus, and in that I rejoice. You know, Paul had, had discovered something, and it's the same thing many of us have discovered as well, right? There is joy. There really is when life's not about you. We talked about it last week. Just a simple acronym. JOY, J-O-Y, Jesus first, others focused, yourself last. And Paul obviously had put Jesus first. And when you put Jesus first, and, and, and when the desire of your heart is to simply see Jesus glorified, and when life is not about you, man, just the joy in that. And Paul's saying that. Man, Jesus is being proclaimed. Praise God. Praise God that people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, even if the people who are proclaiming Christ are out to get me. At least people are hearing the gospel. Praise God, right? Listen, some of you know it. Some of you know it, that life is far too often about you and your glory and not the glory of God. And when you make life about you, you're going to have some resentment. You're going to have some bitterness, right? You're going to be prone to anger, selfishness, and all those things are going to rob you of joy. It's just not a good way to live. Living for yourself is a miserable way to live. But living for the glory of God, right? Understanding that ultimately the reason why God has left you on this earth is to serve Him, to make the most of Jesus. My friend, that will always induce in your life much joy. Much joy. And so here's why I know. I know that this morning there are many of us watching or here on campus that are experiencing a lot of hardship right now. Hardship just because life isn't normal because of this COVID-19 crisis or maybe some hardships because of the results of this crisis. You've taken a cut in pay at your job, right? Your marriage is feeling the strain of this right now. Parenting is really difficult right now. It's hard. Just be reminded from the life of Paul, be reminded from the inspiration of the Spirit of God, there's still joy. There's still joy, right? If you do not waste this hardship, but see this hardship as an opportunity to advance the gospel, to keep on living for Jesus and making the most of the days that God has given you. There's joy, right? If you will understand that right now you have a prime opportunity to be an influence in the lives of others as you choose to walk by faith. There's joy. As you don't look to yourself, but you look to God and you live for His glory, there is joy. And I want you this morning to choose that joy. And maybe you're watching this morning and you're in chains. Paul's in chains, is he not? 
Paul is in chains in this letter because of what he believes in. And, and there are some of us watching this morning, there are some of us on campus this morning that we're in chains, not because of what we believe in, but watch this, but because of what we refuse to believe in. You see? Every one of us, apart from Jesus Christ, we're in chains. In chains to sin and death. Because what the Bible teaches us is that every single one of us have rebelled against God. We've chosen to go on our own way. We've chosen to do life our way instead of His way. We've all looked at God and said, No, I don't want you. I want what I want. And because of that, we deserve death, eternal death, separation from God. We're in chains to that. But because God loves you, He sent His Son Jesus to break you free from the chains of sin and death. His son Jesus lived the life that you could never live, perfect in every way, never sinned one time. God's son Jesus went to a cross and died in your place. He took the chains of your sin upon himself and suffered the wrath of God. He was punished with the punishment that you deserve so that you could be forgiven of your sins and given new life. He rose from the dead three days later, proving once and for all that, that he was more than a man. He was the God-man who came to rescue us from the chains uh, that, that kept us in bondage. And this morning, you can experience joy by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, by turning to him, confessing your sins, turning from your sins, and saying today, I want to begin a relationship with the one who loves me and came to rescue me and came to give me life abundant and eternal. This morning, if you'll believe, you'll be freed from the chains of sin. You'll be freed from the chains of death. You'll be freed from the consequences of your sin, the eternal consequences, and you'll be given life abundant and eternal, new life, joy. This morning, if you never began a relationship with Jesus, we would love for you to begin a relationship with Jesus. Right now on your screen, you should see a text number. If you'll just text that number, and you'll text that number and, and just say something like Jesus, we, we will text you back. We will text you back, and, and we will, we will uh, begin a conversation with you, and we'll help you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love today to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. So text that number right now. Text that number and tell us you want to know more about becoming a Christian. You want to know more about being a follower of Jesus. Text us right now. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, let's not let this hardship steal our joy. Let's live with gospel confidence, knowing that God is at work. Let's live lives of influence. And maybe for you this morning, as a follower of Jesus, during this time where we sing some songs of, of reflection, you just want to ask God to renew your focus on Him. You want to ask God to help you to choose joy in the midst of your hardships. However God leads you respond, you respond to Him as we have a time of, of, of singing and worship together. Father, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you that in Christ we can choose joy. Even when life is difficult and challenging, we can choose joy, and we thank you for that. And Father, for that man, that woman who's watching right now, who has never began a relationship with Jesus, I pray right now that person will come to faith in Jesus Christ, would reach out to us, would text us with a desire to begin a relationship with you. And for people who are watching, who are followers of yours, I pray today they would choose joy, even in their hardships, as they seek to influence for the sake of the gospel, they seek not to waste their hardships, but make the most of it for your glory. 
God, thank you that you're good to us. We love you and we exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.